Welcome back to DQP Does the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network Movie Review Show, where we know your friends better than you ever did. With me this evening is my co-host, Russell. Hi, I'm here. Super excited. We also have Dave. Oh, what is up, Shane? Not a whole lot. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, good to see you, too. We're back from the Batcave. Yep. Spent a lot of time in the cave last week. Dude, I spent a whole week up in that motherfucker. I mean, we all did. Yeah, we were all in the Batcave. Didn't you, you didn't see us around? I took the whole week to try to fit the Robin costume. Bro. I'm still chafed. You should probably, like, take off the pants, though, at some point. So just, like, <laughs> walking around with pants at your knees. I don't, yeah. I don't know if they can Baby come powder. <laughs> I don't know if they can come off. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, we're continuing our uh, March Batness, and uh, it's May now, so it's May a little batness. bit... It's May <laughs> Batness. It's a little, little long in the tooth. Uh... Especially taking a couple weeks off, but you know, shit happens. So yeah. and vacations and stuff like that. So we're continuing on. We're soldiering on. It was always going to last this long anyway. We still got like four fucking movies left. Uh, we are on the second Nolan movie, The Dark Knight, two thousand eight. Uh, yeah, we are. I came on. I I'm on the wrong IMDb page. Uh, usually like right there with this shit. Uh, PG thirteen, two hours and thirty two minutes. Uh, yeah, this one's about the Joker and uh, Two Face. The end. The end. This is synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, just uh, make the synopsis quick. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm not trying to, to, like, talk about the whole plot of this movie. If you haven't seen this movie... You're fucking up, bud. Yeah, and you... One, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this podcast, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Whatever you want, and I appreciate that. Yeah, but still, go watch The Dark Knight, and then come back to us. Now that you're back... We'll wait. uh, Yeah, now that you're back... uh, Great movie, right? Uh, It's about the Joker and Harvey Dent becoming Two-Face. Um, it's about more than that. It's about a lot. But yeah, yeah. that's that's like the general gist of the movie. Uh, you know, the escalation of Batman uh, which they talk about at the end of Batman Begins. Uh, the escalation of criminality from there being a masked vigilante uh, how it affects the citizenry and everything like that. So it's a, it's really, it's a, it's a good movie. Dude, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I think I mentioned it last time. Yeah. I forgot how f- much I fucking love this movie, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to gush about it. This he's whole he, episode. He's gushing. Oh, gush. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think this is. One of the most well thought out, well put together, emotionally driven, character driven, story driven movies of all time. All the driven. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like, we love comic books, right? Yes. But, like, this, as a general statement, I think is one of the best movies I have ever seen. I mean, <clears throat> I'd be hard to argue with you. Watching it this time and being a little more critical, like, there is some room for improvement, but, like, very little. Uh, I think my favorite, I mean, not my favorite thing, but one of the things that I think gets left behind about this movie is how clean and like this is something that I never hear anybody talk about ever with any of Nolan's stuff (coughs) but it's all like this and how clean the cinematography is yeah uh how you can see everything how everything you know that you know is supposed to be there is there nothing that isn't supposed to be there is there you know 
like the the way the shots are nothing seems like it was uh not planned right yeah like every every shot every frame feels intentional yes um and like people don't talk about that with this movie it's always about uh heath which you know yes amazing but like there was other shit going on in this movie too yeah Um, yeah there's he he does like kind of outshine the rest of the cast but like the the acting across the board is stellar yeah like so i let before before we gush you mentioned room for improvement very little room yeah um so let's let's discuss our our dislikes yes um i really only have two okay uh I think the I think one of the few things that this movie suffers that from is the replacement of Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Not that I have anything against Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh-huh. but it really takes away from the emotional attachment you have to the character. Yes, yeah. by yeah, replacing her and then you kill her, which is still very emotional and very driven. And then the chemistry between Christian Bell and Maggie Gyllenhaal just isn't. It's there. Yeah. And there's more chemistry there than what there is with some actors in a lot of other movies. But, a lot of other Batman movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. In fact. But it's just not, it just doesn't have that same, it doesn't have that same emotional like connection between the two characters. Sure. By, by replacing her. Um, so I don't, I don't like that in that. You know, as as far as it being a perfect movie, uh, I mean that in terms of like storytelling and and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but the movie would have been escalated, I think, even higher had Katie Holmes stayed in uh-huh. the series. Uh, and then yeah. my my other issue is, I do think Christian Bell goes a little too hard with the Batman voice. Yeah, on sure. This one versus Batman. Sure. Batman Begins, it was perfect. Yeah, because it was I just thought. a little. Yeah. You know, because he talked like this and the Batman voice was like this. And now this one, he talks like this and the Batman voice is like this. Yeah. 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 I agree. I would agree to that. It's um, minor for me, but yeah, it is gets kind of meme Yeah. And those are really my only, my only two, uh, those are my only two complaints. And they're mild complaints. Like, Katie being replaced by Maggie isn't like a breaker in, 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 in it it just would have escalated the movie even more and it would have made her death even more impactful yeah um but those are those are really my only two complaints sure uh mine mine is a little bit more major um like those are those are legit and i totally agree with you so if that had been done better you know katie had stayed on and the voice hadn't gotten as ridiculous you know, that would have improved the movie. Um, but my big one, uh, is the, uh, I know you're going to be mad at me about this. Um, Russell, uh, the pacing specifically because of the importance of the, uh, Last half of the third act, uh, with Two Face. Um, the movie kind of has like this weird double climax, yeah. Uh, and I feel like because Heath Ledger was the Joker, like he was, and because Aaron Eckhart was Harvey Dent, like he was. Because nobody ever talks about Aaron Eckhart being an amazing Harvey Dent, an amazing Two-Face. Yeah. And, I mean, like, Heath de- deserved everything that was lauded on him before, without, even without him dying. You yeah. know, that... I agree. He, yeah. was, he was amazing in this movie. Yeah. But, like, you know, Aaron Eckhart was also amazing in this movie. Right. Um. So, like, both of them being so strong, uh, and then, like, just having this, like, huge thing with joker and then it like resolving and like fully resolving and then having this big thing 
with Two Face like immediately afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. like messes up the pacing. And I don't know how you would have fixed that without just like taking the Two Face thing out or like putting it in the next movie or something. Yeah. But like and I and I still love it. And you know, a movie doesn't have to have traditional pacing to be good. And like this movie because of how well all of these parts are done, I think overcomes like the kind of uh I don't know, almost like a tripping stumble through the finish line of the of the end of this movie. It's it was already going so fucking fast yeah. that it still makes it across the finish line. Yeah. You know, before anybody else does. Right. But it did stumble, right? There's still the tripping point of being of this like weird double climax. Um But like I said, like it was so good anyway that you almost overlook it. But Yeah. So it, it is a weird thing with the the pacing, I think. Yeah. Um So my that actually does bring up a second issue uh which cannot be helped. Like my issue is I basically am not over getting what should have been the third installment. So like Oh yeah. Because well, Joker's last scene he's just he's tied up and then the cops Yeah. Like show up. Yeah. And that's just it. Right. So that's the last time we see Heath Ledger's Joker. Yep. And yeah. it's always gonna be the last time we see Heath Ledger's Joker. Right. Yep. And I think that it's a poor send off for the character, but there's no helping it. And like I understand that. It just makes it makes the end of the movie like Kind of bittersweet. Kind of bittersweet. Yeah. 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 And like, like, cause it just like kind of hurts a little bit. Like even watching it now still, like I'm, I'm just like, how good would these movies have been as a whole? If, had yeah, we yeah. gotten the third movie we were supposed to get and yeah. then got what ended up being the third movie. Yeah. Cause the, the third movie was supposed to be the fourth movie. Like we were supposed to circle back around to, to the league, yeah. to the league of shadows on the fourth movie. After we got the third movie, which was gonna have more Joker. Oh, okay. So, but he didn't. He didn't get it. And like, I my only defense for the third movie is that Nolan was obligated and he wanted to finish what he started. But you can tell in the third movie that his heart wasn't in it the same because he was he was very affected by by oh, Heath sure, a lot death. of them are like they got Word. close, yeah. Like they got pretty close during the Dark Knight, and like Heath wasn't Heath stayed in character a lot on set, yeah. But he wasn't he wasn't like the Jared Leto method acting like ridiculousness. Like he did do a couple pranks on the set and stuff like that, but it wasn't like filling condoms with fucking shit and semen and sending it to people, right? Yeah. Like you know that's too far. But uh, so Heath Heath had a. Like him, him dying really like, like, like puts this weird hole in this series that like we can never fill. Yeah, which like sucks a lot because like this movie is so like, and I know even in '08 when this movie came out, because like the Joker in this is fucking heinous. Yeah, like, uh-huh. like he is like fucking dark and heinous and ridiculous. Like without going too far like to watch like how i feel about the penguin and batman returns sure like, too far like <laughs> fucking gross i don't so. even want to watch it uh, that's how i, I feel. loved it me too but uh but so for, so for me with the joker in this you know he's dark he's heinous christopher nolan didn't give us a joker to idolize no and he still got idolized anyway just because that's the type of mind that character attracts yep and so I find that interesting that and, and I also think that that like the message behind it is hurt too by not being able to finish that character's arc because like the Joker's not done by the end of this movie you know he's not done right yeah. like he's there's he, he's gonna try again right and yeah. uh so it's just like it's like it's just like a painful spot um, because like these, 
these four movies as a whole would have been a lot better had we been able to get all of Nolan's vision behind it. And, and you know, not even that. Like, it, Heath was more than just an actor. Like, so I don't want to just, like, treat him like he was just an actor and he needed to make more stuff for me. But... He needed to make more stuff for you. He, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm very sad we didn't get to see what else he could have done with, like the rest of his career. Because like this was yeah. also like a step out of his norm. Very much so. Like yeah. this is a staple of his career now. But when he did it, this was not like like Heath Ledger is the prime example that I go to, and I think a lot of people do when you hear of an actor that's going to play a character. And a lot of people are like, no, that actor could never play that character. And then you're like, do you remember you probably saying that in yeah. 2006 when Heath Ledger was announced he'd be playing the Joker? Because I remember thousands of people feeling that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he just like fucking wrecked it. Dude, yeah. Like he is by far my favorite part of this movie. Like, I hate to agree with all those kids that huff paint in high school in the bathroom <clears throat> and idolized him, but God, his Joker's so good. Yeah, but he also shows like, and that, that's 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 the part like what Shane was saying that everyone misses is like you're missing the part where he, he Nolan is showing you how bad yeah. that character is. Yeah, because yeah. he takes Aaron Eckhart's Two Face, Harvey Dent. Like and just like demolishes everything he is as a person. Yeah, yeah, and like that—that's the I think that's the inter interesting thing about like Joker because like a lot of people will take pieces of it and be like, oh yeah, this this quote, uh, that's my uh, my life and shit, and like, but Joker was just full of shit, like the whole movie, the whole like, movie, yeah, yeah, like if. Nothing that he said to anyone was the truth. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, plans? I didn't have any plans. Do I look like, like a guy who has plans? I'm just a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. <laughs> I caught one. <laughs> you know, and like, he's full of shit. Yeah. He just planted a bunch of bugs because he went there to fuck with Harvey. Yeah. Like, he has plans. And, you know, like, when he's talking to other people, he's like, he tells like two different, almost three different stories of how he got the scars. Yeah. You know, he, he tells the mob that he's going to give them their money back and he doesn't, you know, he, yep. he uses, uses their money and burns his and, and yeah. kills them and takes their men, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's trying to do stuff to like, basically bring people down to his level because he's he's nuts and he's depraved and all this stuff and but like he is charismatic at the same time yes yeah yeah and like he puts this like face on like figuratively and literally you know uh and um like attracts these people who need something to him and uses them Yep. He doesn't help them. He uses them and kills them. The boss said he would like, make from the beginning. The yeah. From the beginning. You know. The boss said he replaced all the the bad stuff and replace it with lights like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgot that about that fucked. part. That yeah. was so fucked. Yeah. What am uh, I sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to comment on something Shane said. Uh he said he lies to everyone in the movie. Yeah. And I think that that's true. Except for Except Batman. For Batman. Yeah. Yep. Because he's like, I don't want to kill like, you. All of this just to kill me. Yeah. He's like, kill you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to kill you. Like, that's the only time he's being honest. Yeah. And I think that that's also like, there's a weird, like, sweetness to the relationship between. Because everyone talks about the abusive relationship between Harley and Joker, right? Yeah. But, like, what is more. Like, that's, that's surface. Right, but if you like talk about the in-depth relationship between like Batman and the Joker, especially yeah. in this movie, like it is an abusive relationship. Like, like the Joker is wanting to push his buttons. Yeah, wanting he's gaslighting to push him. It. He's, yeah, he's gaslighting, he's gaslighting him. him the whole he movie. He wants to push him over he's the like, edge. He's gaslighting him and Harvey. 
Yeah. And like he's gaslighting Harvey to gaslight Batman and to gaslight all of fucking yeah. Gotham. Well, Harvey is also like the perfect example of why you can't just be 100% the good guy. Yeah. Because like you literally like you can't because if you are this is what happens. Yeah. Like at a certain point you have you can't just be the rabbit. Like you have to have teeth. And Harvey doesn't understand that at the beginning. And when he like does understand it, it switches too hard. He, he, <laughs> yep, yeah. Goes it's, too hard. It's just like a switch that the Joker like flipped and he's like in an alley beating that guy to death. And he like, I 100% believe Harvey was prepared <laughs> to take that man's life. And, you know, being the character that Harvey is also like, uh, this, uh, the screen, whoever decided to pick the Harvey Dent character for this character role, like, was amazing and, like, had the perfect idea because, like, this is also one of the most in depth Harvey Dents, like, I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, oh, it's very similar, actually, to the, uh, uh, the, uh, animated series, not in, like, how it happens, but, like, he, like, already has, he's, he's, like, already has this anger problem and then people try to corrupt like try to get him because he's like you know super vanilla yeah yeah uh, but he's got like this anger like dual personality problem and then uh they they finally do get something on him and he goes to talk to them and they like basically flip the switch he flips the switch before he turns, before he gets mm. the other face. Yeah. And then he gets the other face after he turns into Two-Face. Yeah. So it's very similar in, in how it works out as, as this. But, it, I mean, it's a kid's cartoon, so it's not quite as, like, dark. Yeah. But it's still right. pretty dark. The animated series gets pretty fucking dark in a couple of spots. Yeah. So it's just, like, like Joker, like, flipping that switch, like, really shows... Like, flipping that switch on who is supposed to be the best person in this movie. Yeah. Like, really shows the depravity, I think. And I, I also feel like that gets overlooked. Which, like, I understand it, it It could be pretty easy to overlook a lot of stuff in this movie. It's moving yeah. pretty fucking quick. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> do you remember what you were going to say when I cut you off? I do. Okay, sorry. I These, like, movie, super though. crazy philosophical movies are the shit that I love to talk right. about. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, one of my favorite uh, like spotlights, uh, like parts of acting about the Joker. Yeah, it's like a very subtle thing. Yeah, um, it really stood out when I watched it this time. Is when he's in the uh, interrogation room with the cop, uh-huh. and he's like talking to him, trying to like rile him up, and he's like, uh, "How many of your friends did I kill?" And then like he goes, and he goes, you know, he's like six, and it's like his acting is like. So when he like yeah. mouths it, like, yes, Thanks. yeah, like that really like I was like, oh my god, fucking loved oh, it, man. <laughs> Just the body going six, six, yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, it's so good. I just, I, I, I love this movie. Like, I know we talked about like you know I, I really love Batman Begins and that, but like after after watching this for the first time in a long time, I, I God, I love this fucking movie. Yeah. No, I mean it's fantastic. Um and you know like we talked about like uh you know kind of going back to just like quality. Uh Yeah. We talked about um Bale could have pulled back a little bit on the Batman voice, but like the again, we get like the uh Bateman uh Bruce Wayne. Yep. Uh, kind of the aloof piece of shit playboy millionaire billionaire yeah. whatever um, and then like the actual Bruce Wayne when he's with uh, Rachel or Alfred or later with uh, uh, with Harvey a little bit um, and then you know when Batman isn't like trying to be intimidating he looks like a better character yeah um, and it, and he and you know Christian Bale does a fantastic job at all this stuff. Yeah, I agree. In this one, he more or less plays like three characters. Yeah, right. Like he kind of does it in Batman Begins, but, but like he's, it's he's still like getting there. Yeah, right. Because there's only like really two scenes where he does the Bateman thing. 
Yeah. Where like the whole movie in this one, he goes back and forth between them. Yeah. So he's got like two versions of Bruce Wayne that he's playing and then also Batman. And... Oh, he's he's real real Bruce with Lucius. Yeah. 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 Which is also good. Like Lucius is great. I mean it's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, Lucius is fantastic. All the scenes with Lucius, me and Russell were just dying. Yeah. Do you I like fucking love him? To me too, and like with Michael Caine, we talked about him yep. and begins, but Michael like, Caine, but just their relationship between the two of them in this one is just yeah. Oh the, man, the uh, oh, I suppose I'm gonna be getting you know arrested too. And he's like, I'm gonna tell him it was all your idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like their relationship this whole movie. Like it, honestly, it it is great. Yeah, I love it. I love Michael Caine. Lucius Fox is great. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Chef's Kiss, man. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to like fucking gag on before we Dude, I uh so Gary let's talk about Gary Oldman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gotta mention him in there. Gary Oldman. So he he really shines he he shines in the first one. And in this one he becomes commissioner. Uh which is a little weird. Uh, considering the other commissioner j- just died. <laughs> well, the mayor was just like, hey, man, vacancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that's like, that's how it happens in some of the other media with, with Gordon. Like, yeah. you know, he starts off as a police detective and then he moves up by solving some crimes, solving some crimes in air quotes, basically getting like dudes dropped in his lap by Batman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he does work. He's not a bad, he's definitely like a good cop. As Yeah, you he's know. not just riding uh, the cape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a good person and like a good detective. So like he does, he does real work. Um, and, uh, but like, you know, he moves up and then, you know, there's been a couple different versions where he's basically been like, you know, high up and then somebody dies or retires or gets caught being corrupt or whatever. And he takes their position right on his way up to being a commissioner. So it's not that weird. It's weird. Like if you're not talking about Batman and and Jim Gordon, Yeah, (laughs) I I just mean like, it's a little, it's a little jarring. It it wasn't a bad decision by any means. It's just kind of, like it's amusing in the scene because you're just like that dude just died. Yeah. Like and you're like and it's time almost, to replace him. Yeah, it's almost more like a like a, a little fan service thing. Yeah. 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 Like, oh yeah. yeah. And, and Commissioner I mean, Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how you do it though, right? Like, because you have you're you're watching Gordon like step up throughout the ranks while watching Batman become better at being Batman. Yeah. And like they are like you do those characters go together. Like those characters if you're doing a Batman movie like you know or a Batman show or series or whatever like you should be watching those characters grow together. Yeah. Um cuz they're the antithesis essentially of each other. Right. Um working in harmony the to get couple. the job done. Yeah. yeah. Um it's like the perfect buddy cop situation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, neither one of them's too old for this shit yet. Yeah. yeah. And uh it, I remember watching it the first time thinking Gordon was dead. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah. And then the, like they cuz they fuck with you the whole movie. So then when you do get to the scene where Aaron Arkart's in the back of the truck, you're not thinking it's Gordon. Like it's one of Joker's dudes. Because he's been the man with the plan the whole time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's got a fucking dude in the truck now. What the fuck? And then it's Gordon. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. Good job, Jim. Yeah. Like, fuck. It's so good. Yeah, you want to be his wife. Slap him and then hug him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, and you know, he's, he's a very, very good like character and the, just the way Oldman portrays that character like it, it's it's the it's it's the actor enhancing the character creating making the character better it's one of those situations you know where he's not just playing the character he's like taking that character we've seen on pages or in animations or in other movies yeah and he's like embodying and becoming and making that full rounded character and it's just Absolutely. like it's a um, fantastic to watch 
Um, and my other, my other thing I want to talk about is the beginning of the movie. Uh, uh the heist scene. Yeah, uh, is one of the best heist scenes in any movie, and this isn't even a heist movie. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, like compare it. Like, you take the first like ten minutes and compare it to heist movies, and the first ten minutes is a better heist than almost any heist movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's fucking brilliant. No, I'm supposed to kill the bus driver. (laughs) (laughs) The way he fucking says it, dude. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was my. That was my other thing. It's just, uh, I, I could just gush about this movie forever. Like, yes, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot to talk. Like every piece of dialogue. So once again, we have another movie like Batman Begins or any other Nolan movie I've talked about, uh, where every single line of dialogue is important. Yep, I agree. Every single one, and some of them are more profound than, like, a lot of the modern stuff like <laughs> yep <laughs> i don't know how i want to say it but <laughs> you know what i mean like just like you can it's very quotable but at the same time like there's a lot of philosophy in this movie and a lot of you know what's right what's wrong like who has the right to decide like the boat scene like yeah what like i don't even know what i would do in that situation like, I'd like to think that I would make the right decision, but, like, I don't know. That's a fucked up situation it's to fucked be up, in. yeah. William Fitchner. I was trying to think of what the bank manager's name was. Oh, yeah. Fitchner. I also always forget that Michael Jai, Michael Jai White is fucking Gamble. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. It's Spawn. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the boat thing. Um... That's a fucked up situation, right? Yep. Yeah. Because every and every piece of dialogue involving the boat scene, you're like, yeah. Like, because the, the people are like, well, they've made their decision. They're thieves and murderers and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, sure. but you don't, like, you don't get the right to decide if they live or die. Right. Like, fuck. But you don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just, I had uh, forgotten about that scene and. Yeah, it was, I, I love. I love when the dude throws the detonator. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking amazing because he's just you you're like you're like oh shit, and he like pitches. It always bothers me that it hits the window though. So like <sighs> every time I watch it, I'm like, Ugh. like I yeah, cringe because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what if it accidentally turned the key? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never remember his name, but it's Tommy Tiny Lester. Yeah, Zeus. Yeah. Debo. 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 That's, yeah, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> oh shit, oh, shit Debo. Debo <laughs> coming. I'm gonna do what you should have done ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things the Joker says is when he's talking to Harvey and he says the uh, the agent of chaos line. Yeah. <laughs> That's always, like, it's so edgy. Like such an edge lord thing to say, <laughs> very edge lord, right? But it's always just kind of like, cause like, at a certain to to like a certain degree, like the Joker is right about a lot of things. He's also full of shit, and he's also going about it the wrong way. Yeah, and he's not to be idolized. Sure, he's just a dog chasing cars. But like, some of the messages like could be misconstrued as good messages because there is a little bit of truth into like what he says like when he's talking about the greed and like people being you know hungry for money and like there's more to it than money like it's yeah uh, i don't know yeah the uh i just did what i do best i took your little plane and i turned it on itself look what i did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets you know you know what I've noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that, like, a gangmanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be, blown, will be blown up, nobody panics, because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mayor will die, well, then everyone just loses their minds. Yeah, that. Yeah. 
so good. Uh huh. I mean, and he's right, you know, but it's also like that doesn't mean that you should blow the city up. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's according plan doesn't mean that the plan is a good thing. That doesn't mean, mean the plan that, is not fucked up. Yeah, it does not mean that your plan should be to destroy everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are we ready to uh go under the cow? I would love to go under the cow. Welcome to my one of my favorite segments, Under the Cowl. <laughs> I'm going to give you a weird Batman villain. Awesome. Uh, I am going to highlight a gadget or vehicle. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about a Batman comic that I read. Sweet. And I did read one. You did read one. I did. You guys ready for the, the villain? The weird villain? Yes. This one is the rainbow creature. The rainbow creature? Yeah. Interesting. The rainbow creature is a powerful inhuman behemoth found in South America. Each of its colors represents a different power, which it holds that when that power is used, its color turns white until it drains the same color from something else. It is an enemy of Batman and Robin. The rainbow creature was a being which emerged from a volcano in South American Republic nation. Uh, it did it. It did this during a time of political discourse in which an aspiring dictator named Diaz was attempting to conquer the nation through rebellions. When Batman and Robin, who were in South America dealing with rebellions, attempted to battle the creature, it turned them into two-dimensional flattened versions of themselves before escaping. Uh, Diaz attempted to convince the government that he controlled the creature in order to blackmail the nation's leaders into making him dictator, but Batman exposed this as a lie. Using a prism, Batman proceeded to shine a rainbow light Diaz's way and chased him out of the town. Following this, Batman teamed up with the town's, uh, townsfolk to trick the rainbow creature into using up all its power and disappearing in the wind. Presumably deceased. Uh, each of the creature's four colors represents a different power it possesses. Whenever it uses a power, the color turns white and must replenish its abilities by draining the color out of an object nearby. The powers are... You ready for the powers? Yeah. Ready. Uh, fire generation, represented by the color red. Uh, the creature can project fire. Yeah, that's... Okay. Freezing, uh, represented by the color blue. The creature can freeze objects nearby, even while ballistic. Uh, there's uh, evaporation slash slash uh, sublimation. Yep. Represented by the color yellow. Okay. The creature can vaporize nearby objects even when ballistic. Uh, projected anatomical compression. Presented by the color green. The creature can temporarily turn nearby organisms into flat, nearly two-dimensional forms. While in this form, victims have the mass of paper and are incredibly weak with little volume or mass. Turns people into cartoons. <laughs> That's a crazy power. <laughs> yeah. That was the rainbow creature. Wow. I never heard of him before, so I thought I would highlight him. No, me either. I got a cool gadget for you. Yeah. Well, it's a vehicle. Oh. It's kind of like a gadget. Sort of. For the most part. I mean, that's part of this part, yeah. This is the bat plane. Oh, okay. Slash bat wing slash bat gyro, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, the first time Batman used the bat plane on a mission was to stop the monster men from destroying the city. This version of the bat plane was very similar to the first bat uh, vehicle, uh, the bat gyro, 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 bat gyro. Uh, except it didn't have rotor blades on top. The Batplane also featured a mechanical gun on the front for aerial combat. However, it was later removed. Because he don't like guns. He don't like guns. The next upgrade of the Batplane was the incorporation of the bat-shaped shield on the front. Besides giving the vehicle a menacing look, the shield also protected the engine of the plane. In the beginning, the bat plane was usually placed inside an ab uh, abandoned barn that was connected to Wayne Manor. 
The Batplane had the, had the capability of transforming into a speedboat by retracting its wheels and folding its wings. Shortly after, Batman upgraded the Batplane by making it bigger and added red stripes on the sides of the plane. This model was soon destroyed by some criminals, but it was revealed that there was more than one model in Batman's secret hideout. Red means it goes fast. It does. <laughs> orcs, 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 orcs. Um, more Decker. <laughs> Uh, for Dick Grayson's ninth birthday, Bruce gave him his own small bat plane, which was an exact replica of the main bat plane, and it was stored in the same abandoned barn. Fuck you, Bruce. That seems like a lot to give a nine-year-old. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Have a plane. Yeah, you want to fly around? Oh, no, I lost it. I was making jokes. Oh, no. Uh, sometime later, the bat plane was upgraded with jet tubes and also included retractable rotor blades on top, allowing the vehicle to hover over places much more steadily. Uh, Batman and Robin upgraded the bat plane using the blueprints uh, given to them by the renowned vehicle designer Frank Folland. The upgrades allowed the bat plane to become a bat sub by retracting the wings and using torpedoes as underwater propulsion. And also, the vehicle could be transformed into a three-wheeled car by pulling out wheels from the bottom of the plane. However, this upgrade were temporarily removed on later versions of the plane. Hmm. That is the Batplane. The Batplane. Okay. thought that was cool. You know, yeah. I did the Batmobile a couple episodes earlier. Yeah. Got to highlight the Batplane. Yeah. Agreed. It's dope. Yeah. I love Batman, dude. I know. I love him. <laughs> if I could marry Batman, I'd marry him. I seen a meme that was like, I'm both Batman and Spider Man. Because I have no powers and I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one that was uh I'm Peacemaker and I'm uh Moon Knight because both my parents hate me. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Uh, so for the last part of Under the Cowl, um, I read Batman Year One. Oh, yes. I originally said I was to do Nightfall, but I but Russell had told me that that was uh, Year One came first. Oh yeah. To try to read it more in order. Um, I liked it. Uh, so Batman Year One uh, focuses a little bit more on Gordon, really. Yeah. It's uh basically. Year one of Batman. Batman becoming uh, who he is. Uh, there's a really cool part in the beginning of the comic where he decides to be like a vigilante, but it's just like him on the street. Yeah. He tries to stop a guy and he gets like shot and cut and beat up, like almost like near death. And he's like, oh, well, this ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like getting cleaned up and Alfred's like taking care of him. And then a bat breaks into the house and he's like, a bat. I'm a man. That's a bat. Batman. Yeah. Shit. Fuck. Just like that. Came to him. Fever dream. Fever dream. Yeah. Uh, And then a lot of it focuses on Gordon, though. Because Gordon's not commissioner in this. He's like a lieutenant. He gets brought into Gotham. And um, you find out like the commissioner is in leagues with the mob. Mm. And so is a bunch of the uh, like detectives and stuff yeah there's a cool part where uh it's like detective flass i think it is the name yeah um he like sends some dudes and like him and some dudes come and like beat up gordon but not bad enough to take him to the hospital and he could tell that it's flass Mm -hmm. so gordon like waits like waits for him to like drive home after like a poker game where he's wasted and like beats the shit out of him and like strips him naked and leaves him like just like just enough so he doesn't go to the hospital. Like that was just it's just kind of a cool like Yeah. Gordon got like his revenge back. Yeah. Hmm. Uh but it's really cool. Uh it's a lot older. I think it's based on the older comics. I think it is older, isn't it? It's like the eighties, yeah, I think yeah. it is. <clears throat> yeah, it's older. It is an older comic. Yeah. But I'm going to give it, let's go with uh, seven bat signals. Okay. I recommend it. That's legit. It's good times. But this has been Under the Cowl. Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I'll never get tired of that. <laughs> yeah, and then right after that, we're going to go down to the corner, right? I'm ready. You ready to go to the corner? Yeah, let's go down to the corner. Russell? Yep. You go to the corner? Let's do it. Welcome to Dave's Trivia Corner. Dave's Trivia Corner. Where the point of this corner is for you to say... Oh, that's neat. Why is Joker here? I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. I, I, made, I, I thought I Joker-proofed this corner. Yeah. This goes to show. You can Joker-proof the corner, but you can't Joker-proof the life. Why does Joker sound like he wants to take uh, a young Chris down into his basement <laughs> yeah, for popsicles? I, I don't know. This is a weird Joker. Yeah. You went too far. Yeah, you stay away from the kids. <laughs> stay, away from kids. <laughs> stay away from the kids, Joker. All right. I got some hot, 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 hot trivia. I mean, if you don't know what Joker did to Jason Todd, he should definitely stay away from kids. Yeah. Yikes and yep. <laughs> got some trivia. Yeah, let's do the trivia. Moving <laughs> <Let me> on. <laughs> Uh, in Sir Michael Caine's opinion, uh, Heath Ledger beat the odds and topped Jack Nicholson's Joker from Batman 89. Jack was like a clown figure, benign but wicked. Maybe maybe a killer old uncle. He can be funny and make you laugh. He's gone in a completely different direction to Jack. He's like a really scary psychopath. He's a lovely guy, and this Joker is going to be a hell of a revelation in this picture. He right. Uh, Kane bases this belief on a scene where the Joker plays a visit to Bruce Wayne's penthouse. He'd never he'd never met Ledger before, so when Ledger arrived to perform, he he gave Kane such a fright he forgot his lines. <laughs> he scared Sir Michael Kane so much he forgot his lines. Wow. Michael Kane. So Michael Kane. Uh, while filming a chase scene on Lake Street, the Chicago Police Department received several calls from concerned citizens stating that the police were involved in a vehicle pursuit with a dark vehicle of unknown make or model. <laughs> a lot of calls. Hey, man, the police are chasing Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was the first comic book movie to reach the one billion mark worldwide. Really? Yep. Hmm. Neat. That's neat. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I, I forgot. <laughs> uh, in preparation, in preparation for his role as the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. During this extended stay of seclusion, Ledger delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the character's every tick, mainly the voice and that sadistic-sounding laugh. For the voice, Ledger's goal was to create a tone that didn't echo that the work of Jack Nicholson did in his 89 performance as the Joker. Yeah. Ledger's interpretation of the Joker's appearance was primarily based on the chaotic, disheveled look of punk rocker Sid Vicious, combined with the psychotic mannerisms of Malcolm McDowell's character Alex DeLarge from A Clockwork Orange. I can see both of those things. Yep. Yep. As soon as yeah, I read that, it's like, oh yeah. Uh Heath Ledger's sudden death from drug toxicity on January twenty second, two thousand and eight, prompted immediate uh speculation over this movie's state and Ledger's disposition prior to death. Soon after Ledger's death was announced, uh Warner Brothers issued a statement that verified that Ledger had finished all of his scenes in principal photography as well as post-production duties, thus making the Joker his final completed movie role. Rumors abounded that playing the intense role had taken its toll on Ledger's mental state, causing him to become depressed and take the wrong combination of drugs as a result. However, this his family had since put such rumors to rest by stating that far from being depressed, he had a lot of fun playing the role. Ledger did suffer from insomnia throughout his life, it would often take sleeping pills together with other prescription drugs. Sometimes his sister had actually warned against the night before his death. Unfortunately, the mix he took that night proved to be a fatal combination. Not neat. Not, Not neat. neat at all. No. Very sad. Yeah. Ooh, sad. 
Uh, Aaron Eckhart uh, spoke about a unique experience he had with Heath Ledger during the hospital scene. He said that before lines were exchanged, Ledger would just walk around in character, mumbling to himself in an odd manner. All Eckhart could do at the time was just watch him while still in character. This went on for several minutes until Ledger got close to him. Um, Eckhart felt compelled at this point to fiercely raise his hand up. Immediately, Ledger grabbed uh, Eckhart's raised hand in an equally matched fierce manner. When the scene was over, Ledger, now out of character, told Eckhart, that's what acting's all about. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The only thing about, I don't like about that scene is I wish he had kept the wig on the whole time. <laughs> yes, that would have been great. That would have been fucking hilarious. Uh, the bus crashing backwards in the bank in the opening sequence was much, har- much harder to pull off than was anticipated. The bus had to be taken apart and reassembled inside the building, a discussed, a disused post office, Concealed behind a large false wall and then propelled backwards with an air cannon. What the fuck? That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Got a few more. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, while filming the chase scene with the Joker and the SWAT vehicles, one of only four IMAX cameras in the world at that time was destroyed. Uh. Oh, <laughs> oops. Whoopsie. Uh, Two-Face's dis- uh, disfigurement was created through a computer graphics rather than prosthetic makeup, as writer, producer, and director Christopher Nolan felt that no matter how good the makeup was, it is still inherently adding something onto an actor's face when Two-Face's appearance requires requires part of his face to be burned away. Yeah. Yeah, which surprisingly, I it didn't look too bad. No, it's not bad. Yeah, it's... Like, it's uh still passable. Yeah. Uh I got two more. Okay. Uh made more money than Batman Begins 2005's entire domestic run in over 6 days of release. Wow. Uh while Big last deal. one. Uh while this movie is dedicated to Heath Ledger, it is also bears a dedication to Conway Wycliffe a stuntman who was killed when the car he was a passenger in crashed. Like, during filming? I don't think during filming. Okay, he just passed away. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. that sucks. I didn't know anything about that. But yeah, kind of a sad corner. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some sad stuff that happened around this movie. Yeah. Well, this has been... Dave's Trivia Corner. Dave's Trivia Corner. That was good. I don't know, I don't know where to go from there. That was good. Where you'd say the rest of the thing. Oh yeah. Huh. Neat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked it all up. I'm tired. Alright. Well, you guys ready to rate this pig then? I'd rate this pig. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 9.25. It is definitely a fantastic movie. Um, You know, we've talked ad nauseum about all the performances, all the qualities of the movie, uh, the things that we would change. So, uh, like I said, I think like the pacing towards the end was kind of wonky. before that, it was almost perfect. Uh, and then, like Russell said, the the two small changes that he would have made, um, I agree with those. Um, and it's not, it's not like it's not the best movie, but it's it's one of the best movies. So it's not starting at a ten and then taking off point seven five for those things. It's probably if those things were fixed then it would probably be like a nine eight or something like that so russell yeah uh i'm gonna give it a 9.5 uh-huh. um this i think in general i don't i don't necessarily disagree with you about the dual climax sure and the pacing of it um 
But I don't like agree either. Because I don't know, like, I don't have a better idea of what they could have done. Yeah. You know? So, like, it, it's... Because, like, the whole last bit, like, leads into, like, the monologue and voiceover at the end. And I don't, I don't know how they would have... I don't know if there was a better way they could have done it that would have still allowed the the narrative and the message at the end to hit the way it hits. But also that narrative and message at the end would have come across a lot better if he wasn't so over the top on that voice man uh, voice Batman voice. Mm-hmm. Um so <clears throat> uh as far as why I still won't score it a perfect movie um, is because I I do like agree the the third act could have been done a little better. I just don't know how they would have done it better. Yeah, which is why I'm still giving it nine point five. Um, and the, but like as far as as far as it goes, like the movie isn't very. I don't think the movie's like has any real flaws and like just every piece of dialogue. I've like read about this movie having plot holes, but every plot hole I've read is very easily dismissed by just paying attention to the dialogue. Yeah. Like all of it. So like I don't I've never seen an actual like plot hole that I've agreed with because there's always some form of dialogue in the movie that like fixes the they just missed something is what I've come across when people think the movie has plot holes. Um, but there is a, a one, of, one of the other things it does that I don't particularly care for is sometimes characters just have information and I don't know how they have it. Uh. And I don't like that. Like, the Joker you can get away with, I guess, because he's, like, supposed to come off as, like, this, like, omniscient like I know what's going to happen and I know what's going on yeah. type thing. Uh but like there's still a few spots in the movie where it's like how did that character know to be there? Or how did that character like like how did they just how did they know? And that like kind of throws me off. But I mean other than that that's that's pretty much it. That's so 9.5. Okay. Dave. So when I uh started watching this, it's like uh, like I said I've not not seen it in a very long time. Oh yeah. Uh, when I started, when I when I first when I was first going to watch Batman Begins, I know I talked about this on the show. I was worried that it was going to bring back some bring up some stuff. Sure. Uh, it didn't as much as I thought, but oddly enough, this one kind of did. Really? Like, there's some scenes like between between like Alfred and Bruce. Yeah. They kind of got me, and then it got me thinking a lot more. I'm like, my dad never got to see this movie. So it just kind of got to me a little bit like that he would he would love this movie. Yeah. Not to get too sad or anything. Uh, but like fine. there was a point in it I'm just like, "Oh man, like I didn't think this would hit me like this." Just Right. Just like the way Bruce and and uh Alfred kind of interacted and then like, you know, kind of brought some stuff up like, "Oh man." Um but my dad would have loved this movie. Yeah. I'm trying to get sad, but uh I think I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. I'm gonna give it a ten. Like I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um I loved all the acting was fantastic. Yes. And you know I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker for Batman. Yeah. You give me a good Batman, I'm there. Yeah. And just all the acting was great. Heath Ledger Bale's voice is a tad over the top, I agree. But I look past it. So yeah, I'm giving it a ten. Uh Quick side note, one of my favorite things in the movie is when he, like, goes to Lucius to have the costume redesigned, and he's like, so you want to be able to turn your head? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice little meta joke there. Yeah. I love that also when, he's talking, when he's talking about, it's like, uh, how's it against dogs? <laughs> like, like, right at that scene. Yeah, our uh, our kill counter is possibly one dude. Um, 
who he like runs the tumbler under the dude's truck and like bashes the cabin to the ceiling. Yes. Yeah, that guy's probably that guy, dead. That guy, that guy might be dead. I mean, if he hit the floorboard, he might be okay, but he also might be dead. He might be dead. Um, and then uh, what? Three dogs. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like not my favorite part. <laughs> Kills three Rottweilers <laughs> by throwing them up from a hundred-story building or <laughs> Poor something. Puppies. Yeah. And they look like good boys, too. Yeah. Do they? They're, like, attacking him. Still good boys. <laughs> <laughs> they can only be good boys, right? Exactly. All doggos are good boys. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, right? Yeah. Of DQP Does, where we went over the Dark Knight. Next week, we will continue our March Batness that has gone through April and now May. May Batness. May Batness. Uh, with The Dark Knight Rises uh, from 2012. So, catch us next week. Also, catch us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, at Drafty Quarters, at DraftyQ. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, just search Drafty Quarters Productions, maybe. Yeah, you can find us on everything by that if you want. <laughs> yeah, you can email us if you have any questions or concerns. Uh, DraftyQ at gmail.com. Also, we would love it if you go to Patreon and donate a dollar a month so that we can... Uh, oh, I need Arms of the Angel. Uh, oh, we do it low? Yeah. Uh, we... We need a dollar a month so that we can feed ourselves um, because we are uh, we're just like you know in the streets there starving and uh, we're we're just plugging into the side of somebody's RV to record these podcasts for you guys uh, and we really need somewhere to stay and some some food to eat and clothes to put on our backs and uh, new headphones and microphones. Uh, our cords are getting kind of scratchy. Uh, I didn't tell you to stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please give us a dollar. <laughs> so if you can donate one dollar a month on Patreon, there there is some content on there. That you'll gain access to. But we would really appreciate it. You know, if you can't, that's fine too. Just uh, send us send us a message on on our uh, our Gmail because we would love to hear from uh, more than the same four people. We continue to love to hear from those four people. We got five this time. We got five now, uh, but uh, we'd love to hear from anybody else that's listening. Uh, so go ahead and send us an email, draftyq at gmail dot com, or send us a Facebook message. It doesn't matter. Yeah, however you want to contact us, we'll get it eventually and then we'll 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 talk about it on our other show uh the DQP weekly that also is on YouTube so it is thanks for listening have a wonderful evening morning night breakfast dinner lunch brunch mimosas with the girls whatever uh, whenever you're listening to this i love them you love mimosas i do love mimosas <laughs> okay and I'm picking up to admit it. I love mimosas. I don't know that I've ever had a mimosa. It's just orange juice and champagne, dog. No, I know what it is. I just <laughs> don't think I've ever had one. You gotta have a mimosa with your brunch. I forgot how to say it. Papusa. Isn't that what the a thing a kangaroo lives in? That's a pouch. Oh. <laughs> What's a papusa? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Let's move on. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This has been DQP Does. Bye. Bye. Have a beautiful time. You thought we could be decent men in an indecent time, but you were wrong. The world is cruel, and the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced, fair.
This has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.